Hey, thanks for listening to The Highlight, a podcast about the beauty and wellness industry, hosted by myself, Juliana of Deco Miami, and soon to launch, Suki. Whenever I have conversations with other founders in the beauty industry, I think, wow, I wish we could have recorded that. And that's exactly what The Highlight is. Indie beauty brands have pretty universal challenges to overcome. Between raising capital, if that's part of the plan, building a customer base, dealing with supply chains, hiring, et cetera, et cetera, it's a ton of work to start from nothing and build a brand. BIPOC-owned brands have an added set of challenges to overcome on top of these more general challenges. I wanted to have a discussion about how BIPOC brands fit into the larger indie beauty ecosystem and then how indie beauty fits into the even larger beauty ecosystem. I started thinking of this topic when so many media publications started shouting out Black-owned brands back in June and why that wasn't a more frequent thing before the summer. And I know there's something, a lot of something to unpack here about being a small brand, being a Black-owned brand, and your successes. So in this episode of The Highlight, I'm chatting with founder Tokes of Scope Beauty about what she thinks is going on here. Scope is Tokes spelt backwards, which is a really clever name. Tokes, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jules. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. To kick us off, can you give us a quick summary of what Scope is all about? Oh, oh, thank you. So Scope, of course, is a natural skincare and lip care brand. The idea behind Scope came because, one, <laughs> I've been an avid skincare lover. The natural behind it of course, has to do with my upbringing. Um, I have an African heritage and um, growing up, you're just totally inundated with all these natural ingredients, um, natural concoctions, I call them, <laughs> be it mixing shea butters and, and um, you know, coconut oils or whatnot. You ask your mom, uh, your grandma, oh my goodness, oh, I have a rash. The next thing is, oh, just go with up, you know, the shea butter or some coconut oil. You know, honestly, it does, it does work, but having been, I was born here, right? And um, of course you look at it and you're going, okay, this is not what I normally do or whatnot, but they really do work. And when you look at it and say, okay, forget over the fact that it's just right there, things in your kitchen, or what's really familiar to your mom or your grandparent, you know, or your aunts, and you're looking, wow, so curiosity starts to set in. Like, okay, how come this is this and that's that? And that's really my intro to natural ingredients. And um, further down the line, <laughs> I fell in love with beauty. So I've been saying, okay, what is it that I love? When I go to France, I love the wonderful, you know, products. But what really resonated to me was the fact that, you know, the French love great products, the efficacy and all that, of course, no question about that. But one thing they don't worry about is aging or, you know, you have any, you have bumps or whatever. They just enhance what they have with such confidence. So it really takes that worry away when you're worrying about, oh, oh my God, I'm getting older, or, you know, you have this pimple or whatnot. If you use a nutrition, you know, very nutritious ingredients, high performing ingredients that are really familiar, that's been around forever. You know, I, I said, look, that's a real good mesh. 
So school came about me trying to merge my upbringing of knowing all about all these natural ingredients and my love for the French beauty ritual. And just for my travels, what I've really known, what I've seen from wherever I went, what really drew my attention um, skincare wise, because I'm very, very curious. And one thing I love is culture. So anything that they were using that I saw like, wow, okay, in Portugal is different from what this, that, oh, I'm in Spain and they use this. Or um, you're in Morocco. Oh, wow. Look at what oils do. Oh, Nigeria. You're like, okay, this is what happens in Africa. This is what happens. And then you merge all that. I think it's like the best of both worlds. So it came about, that's how school came about. The love of my beauty, French beauty rituals, and of course, traveling and the spa. So I just found a way to do that. And that's how school came about. So let's get into it. You are a Black Beauty founder with an indie brand. And I'm sure if we compared our notes on our, our journeys with our brands, they'd be very different, plain and simple. So how do you see Black-owned brands fitting into the indie beauty ecosystem? And do you have any personal anecdotes on challenges you face directly or indirectly related to race since you started your brand? Well, first things first. I honestly don't see a difference in a Black-owned brand or, you know, um, any person of color fitting in. That shouldn't even be a question. We should all be fitting in, right? So um, I think everybody's, everyone's um, story is totally valid. So whatever story behind you creating your brand um, shouldn't be valid, invalidated just because of the color of your skin, right? So for that, I always say to me, I feel everyone, if the world is big enough for everybody, it should be. There shouldn't be any question of alienating one brand just because of their background or who they are. See, that's one thing that I'm not used to. My upbringing is to love everyone. My upbringing is to see everyone as the same. And honestly, I, I truly, truly get fascinated about the people I meet in the world. It's just something that, you know, breeds life in me. That's why I love to travel. So that aspect of us fitting in or a certain brand or certain person that owns a brand will not fit in because of who they are or that, you know, that to me is really, that to me, I, it's a little difficult for me to see. <laughs> it shouldn't be a question. Sadly enough, that's what goes on, right? But the second thing is, how if I have been affected personally, what I do see, and um, of course, I'm like in my 40s, I'm in my late 40s, and realistically, I'm a realist optimistic, right? I couldn't and, tell. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I, honestly, I do, not, I, do not, I do not dwell in negativity. So if you tell me that I couldn't fit in a certain space, I'm going to tell you that, yes, I do, right? my actions, right? I don't see myself as inferior in anywhere I go. I truly don't. I'm very aware of who I am. I know I'm a black American. I know I'm a, you know, I'm a black woman. <laughs> um, even if I wasn't that, women already are already minorities. So I know there's a lot to face, right? 
But when I started SCOTS for real, when I did, when I started SCOTS, I went in realistically saying to myself, I'm going to start slow, right? I wasn't going in looking for, oh, I, you know, I have to raise this amount of money. I have to do this or do that, or I have to compare myself to another brand. I wasn't doing all that. So uh, the, real, the, the, the reality of it all set in from the beginning. Because one, it was my passion. One, I knew it wasn't something that I was doing just for the fad. I knew it wasn't something that I was just getting into because, you know, Jill did it or who did it, right? It was a story that truly, truly sits with me. And I just wanted a way to make other women feel comfortable in the skin they're in. Because often enough, we all hear it, you know, how the media invalidates women first. Not to talk of if you are now a minority, right? It's like in the so to speak, clean beauty world, which is, which is a little frustrating for me, honestly. It seems, honestly, sometimes I look at it and it's like a little click, which I, there's certain. Why is it frustrating for you? It's frustrating for the, because of the fact that I do see how um, in the clean beauty world, they, you can easily be nullified. You can easily just be erased if you're not following certain rules, those rules, I don't know. <laughs> those rules, I don't right. know. I'm like, okay, who made, who made these rules, right? Right. Well, it's, it's really interesting that you mention clean beauty because I've had in other episodes, it's come up how uh, women that have African origins, you've been doing the clean beauty thing forever. Yeah. It's just, it's part of your, your family oh, rituals. It, it's not like a, it's not a new thing and it's definitely not... It's not an afterthought. Right, and it, and it's not what it is depicted in some of these bigger brands that are sold, um, you know, in yeah. department stores. So it's, I, I guess like, and I, I really, I love what you were saying and I, I respect you so much for your comments on, you know, how you, you focus on yourself and your journey. And I think you're absolutely right that that is the right mindset to have. I and, do. But with that in mind... Yeah. I think that, and this is also why I'm so interested in having this discussion with you. I think that the industry almost pigeonholes some brands because they're black owned or because they're a certain minority. Absolutely. And, and that's frustrating because, Absolutely. you know, obviously your product, I mean, I have one of your lipsticks. It's amazing. I love it. And I, I want to try other I want to try all the brands. You were one of you were you were one of my first. <laughs> you were one of my first clients, Jules. Remember? I I do. I do. You met me, and you were right there from the beginning. The day Scope launched at Indie Expo, you were one of them. We had such a wonderful conversation, and you were telling me how you were going to start your own brand. And my my youngest <laughs> was so you know she was so into you, like oh she's going to start um, a nail polish brand, and she couldn't <laughs> wait. So I always remember that. See, that's one thing. I always remember my journey. I remember my journey and I always remember the people along the way. So that's why I made that comment earlier that I try not to, I try not to, I try not to just own in on the negative. It doesn't mean I don't see it or I don't know that it's going on, right? But if you go in every day and someone is telling you that you are less than and you start acting like you are less than, you will never make it. Simple as ABC, you will never make it. So again, I started my beauty company 
when I was well into my 40s, I think my mid 40s, I'm 49 now, right? And um, I had known about the beauty world since my early 20s, even before then. I mean, when I just started knowing, you know, about the mixture of traveling or getting used to it or getting, you know, finding that love for what I liked, you know, in natural beauty and the ingredients, you know. Yes, I am a black owned brand, but my, my products are for everyone, everyone. And people always say, well, you know, skincare is not a one-stop shop. Yeah, we can say that if one start getting into technicalities. But if you use familiar ingredients, if you use ingredients that are known to different cultures, right? It might not go for 100%, but at least people will come in and know an ingredient that they're familiar with that they've heard of nothing new, not, you know, nothing new that's going on, something that has been on for ages that we all can relate to. That, that was my um, idea behind Scope. I just wanted something. I wanted a brand that was all embracing. More importantly, that made you feel comfortable. Yes, it had to be efficacious. Yes, it had to work. But I, I honestly wanted to take that out and have women pause and say, you know what? We're inherently known for taking care of everyone else. At least when you have scope, I want it to be where you say, okay, this is a little bit of time to myself. You know, I'm important. I'm worthy. So I'm taking this time. I don't have to be at a spa to enjoy good, you know, good products. So I'm bringing a spa to you. How do you think the hurdle of access to resources affects BIPOC founders. And I think of this, when I was thinking of this question, I was thinking of this like metaphorical mountain (laughs) and every founder starts off at a different part of the mountain, you know, like you've got, and you've got different equipment to get to the top and access to resources, just because you have really good equipment doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get to the top, but it really improves your chances. And I guess I thought it would be interesting to ask you, where you felt you started on that mountain and why? Well, I'm self, I'm self um, funded, Jules. I'm self funded. When I started again, I'm going to go back to where I said, I'm going to just take it one step at a time. So every little step in the right direction for me meant everything. When I first started out, I knew going in that if I didn't go at my pace, then I'm just going to, like, you know, fall off, (laughs) fall off the rail one way or another. Right. (laughs) So I didn't go in looking to say, okay, at this, by the second year, I want to go in for him. Like I wanted somebody to um, invest in my company or whatnot. I really was going in with the mindset of before it even gets to that stage, if I do want that, I'm going to lovingly be self-funded and just try to run the business as such. Because one thing I would say to myself then is I'm from an investment background. I've seen everything. (laughs) I've seen, look, I've seen everything where I'll go in, I'll go in and you say you want a loan and they look, you know, and you know, you know that you qualify, you know, that credit score is right there, but then they start asking you for all these unattainable stuff, right? And by the time you're done, you're overspent. You're like, wow. So I, I just said, I don't want to start a business on a stress level that high, right? So I, I knew that I was going to take my time 
and be self-funded and do do it the way that I know would be okay. So I can actually be better for my clients. I can actually, you know, better serve them, right? Because when you know what you're putting into that packaging, when you know your story and you stick to it, when you know that story, when you know your audience, right? And it's not someone else running it for you. Your story is your story, right? Because you can have a story and let somebody else tell that story for you. It has to come from you. But um, investment and um, the money allocated for people of color, <laughs> black-owned companies, or lack thereof, that I've seen, I've seen. I mean, I know a few people that own businesses. They've tried and tried. And I've seen a lot of no's. And I would look and say, we all know, not every brand, even if it's not even black owned. Like you said, some people have that resources. Some people have it from day one. It doesn't guarantee your brand is going to do great. It helps to get in the right spot. <laughs> it certainly does help. I didn't have that, right? I didn't have that. One thing I had was I knew I was going to make, make good friends. I didn't want to go in as a know-it-all. I knew if I couldn't battle all these VCs or staying in front of somebody and telling them my story and <laughs> having told no a million times, if I surrounded myself with brand owners that are familiar and then, you know, the connection and you can know if you have a question, you can actually easily call someone and say, this is what's going on or send them an email or do you know where I can get good packaging or do you know um, if this and this is going on, right? And um, I travel a lot. I try to get into just the different aspects of it, just to educate myself first. So I'm well-prepared. So I'm well-prepared. It's sad to see that because you are Black-owned or you're minority-owned, your chances are so limited. It really is sad to see. But um, again, I said I'm a realist, optimistic, right? <laughs> I'm hoping it gets better. I'm hoping it gets better. I have been told personally before somebody met me, oh, talking over the phone, it was so good, loved my brand, all that. <laughs> and then they met me in real life. And then they said, oh, I'm just looking for the owner, Tokes. And I said, oh, this is Tokes? I said, no, the owner. And I said, I'm the owner. And the next thing was, oh, I, oh my God, I, didn't, I had no idea. Your brand is Black-owned. And I said, oh, really? I said, what is, I don't understand. So what's the difference? What is the, what are you saying by my brand, my brand is black owned. What's different from how I'm, you know, how you see my brand to how you see other. She was like, it's just different. I think you're just doing it right. Like you're on the right path. I believe she wanted me to smile about that. You know what I mean? To say, oh, I'm doing the right thing. And I was like, really? I said, how sad? Because I'm just doing what's right. I'm just trying, well, I'm just trying. I'm trying to do it the way where if I go in and I want to spend $60 on a, on a moisturizer, I want to know that it's something good. It's not because of who owns it. So that is a little bothersome. The fact that we all don't have the same resources, which we all aren't. But if it's at least a little fair where if I am so sure that day where I'm so sure that if I walk in to try to get funding for my brand and I won't be... I won't be let down just because of my skin color or who I am. I mean, tell me no because, well, it doesn't fit in right now. Or 
it's not what you're, you know, you're willing to take a risk in. It's too small or, you know, I'm not making that as well. Tell me that. I'm not, I'm not really a novice. I, I totally get numbers. I totally get all that. But don't, don't say no to me because of my background or who I am or who you don't even know that I am, right? Sure, sure. I want to ask you, I want to go deeper into that because one thing that I have thought about a lot as I was developing the questions for this I don't think that every every indie brand, every Black-owned brand, I mean, just every brand in general isn't worthy of success. I mean, it's as simple as that. Everyone can't succeed. Some brands are going to be stronger and weaker and, you know, it's just how it is. But, you know, when you go back to access to resources, obviously, if you have the funding or you have, you know, the people who can help you get the right packaging, get the right branding, you, you know, get access to, oh, I work with the graphic designer, you know, blah, blah, blah. Obviously that can make a difference. And, and I, I, I mean, I have a, my next question for you is about editorial features and retail partnerships and whatnot. But, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's a bias against small indie brands and there's another there's other biases against black owned indie brands but if we all just kind of stood up if we all just said no look we're legitimate we're we're not going to let you overlook us i'm not going to let you overlook tokes over there like you have to pay attention to us i feel like everyone would benefit and it's frustrating because for some reason i've never heard anyone say what i just said (laughs) You know, it's just like, it's like, oh, black owned brands are on their own. They got to figure it out. It's like, no, indie brands, we all need to help each other figure it out. And we all succeed. That's how it works. You just hit it. You just hit it. Um, you just hit that nail on the head. We all succeed. And I'm going to be very honest about it. I, I, this is, that is exactly what this is that's where i come from i honestly i totally totally agree with what you just said and that is why i would always be a supporter first of a woman-owned business you know because i know that we women if we get together oh my goodness if we get together and we support each other we're fearless that's it we're fearless Come with me, what your background is or whatnot. The thing is, and I'm going to be honest, it's really honestly not just other culture against um, Black-owned brands. I see it within Black-owned brands too. One thing I always do, and you know, (laughs) you bought my products, I bought yours. (laughs) One thing I never shy away from is if I see something good, I'm going to tell you, I love this. I love what you're doing, your brand. I, you know, I am going to buy it. I don't just, you should see my skincare drawer. Because I love skincare, I own my own brand. It doesn't mean I'm going to just stick to my, you know, I love skin. I do love the beauty world. I was a financial analyst making great money and all that. I worked part-time at Sephora because I needed to learn. I'm not kidding. And this, this was, <laughs> people would look at me and say, what are you doing? I said, well, I loved, I loved Sephora. I loved the company. I loved everything it was about. I loved the fact that they had this gratis, they had this gratis program and all that stuff. So I just, I said, you know what? It would not be bad. Why not? If you know that there's something better, you admit it, you want to learn, right? There shouldn't be any chip on anyone's shoulders. It doesn't take me anything to tell a brand in front of me that, oh my God, 
this brand is great. I'm not going to look at you and say, I'm going to compete with you because really this world, there's enough for everybody. We only just have to all understand that. Your pace is not going to be my pace. Her pace is not going to be mine, right? All we need to be looking at is how we support each other and support each other, really, you know, honestly. I love supporting and I'm not doing it because I want any accolades or whatnot. It's just because really and truly, I totally get it. If we are not supporting each other, how are we supposed to lift it? We can't, we can't, we can't move ahead. We can't move ahead if we're like against each other. We have to. And the part of the editorial, it's true. Our stories doesn't get told enough. It really doesn't. Oh my God. I don't have a PR firm. People always think I have one, but I don't. I do have friends in PR. Don't get me wrong. I've used a couple, not something that is ongoing. But when I know that, okay, I need help somewhere, I would, I would seek it. But um, I have a marketing degree. I have a travel degree. So I'm like, okay, let me do it again. I say I'm a realist. <laughs> you have to know. I don't have the funding of paying a PR from $10,000 a month or whatever right now. No. And me, do I want to be in those magazines? Of course I do. But I don't have to be in 10 at a time. So the thing is, tell your story to the right people, to the right audience, and you choose. You have to really, really choose and focus on that. You can't be everywhere. But I do see it. I see how it's not, it's so not equal. It's even sometimes a chore to try to get some, to try to get an editor to talk to you or. Oh, don't even. I, oh. Chore is, chore is a, a benign it's way. Nice, it's right? like, it's like pulling teeth, frustrating. Yeah. It's like, it's torture. I mean. It's like Fort Knox, trying to break through <laughs> Fort Knox. It really is. Yeah. And you're already hyperventilating before you even send that email. And I've, I've been at a show. And I've actually, you know, an editor is actually, another editor actually was at my um, table and we were talking and like, oh, I like the, you know, I like the products and all that stuff. And you should have seen the attitude like, oh, no, oh, you can put it in that bag. Oh, uh, my assistant will get that from you. And I was like, oh, wow, really? Like, it's not that serious, truly. <laughs> if you, I know I'm not Lemur. I know I'm not, you know, I know I'm not the huge um, brands, but come on now. They all started from someplace. Those are the things. You, you rarely see it. And then if they choose to mix it up, then they choose, those, again, they just choose like two brands. And it's not only the editor. It's not only the magazines. It's the retailers. Even the small retailers, they're like, oh, uh, you know, we're very, very, I said, well, you're not inclusive. First of all, you don't even have an inclusive staff. How are you supposed to sell my brand? Really? And people wonder why I say, when I tell people that I, I do want to be in stores, but I don't know. It used to be something where I do, I would say, oh, because I'm an avid shopper of Neiman Marcus. I, Nordstrom is like my number one. So where better would I want to see my brand? But if you're trying to make it seem like, okay, and that's what I always tell people, never underestimate the power of the person you're talking to. You don't even know. You don't know their story. I could be your biggest spender and you don't even know it. To change gears slightly, it was really frustrating around the beginning of June all of these editors and all of these big, I mean, all of these big companies were suddenly talking about diversity and supporting black owned brands. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting back here. And again, uh, if this is your first time listening, I am, I am a white indie brand founder, but it was still infuriating because it was like, 
you guys don't give a crap about, not only do you not give a crap about indie brands, but you really didn't give a crap about black owned brands. So like now you're pretending that you cared because, because, you know, you're posting the black square, you're doing this. And it was, it was, again, it was just like so frustrating. And, you know, you're seeing all of these, these lists about, you know, from, from um, like Vogue and Cosmo putting out black owned brands to, to follow, to blah, 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 the creators. And I'm just thinking like, what, what, what really changed for you? Like in all of your minds between last week and this week, you know, like, are you really hoping that we all forgot? Like how that you didn't care? So, I mean, what, what do you think? What's your hot take on all of that? Honestly, honestly, Jules, it was really sad to see. When I say sad, people would say, oh, you know, at least they're doing, no. For me personally, I was like, wow, it took, it was just sad because it took this to happen for you to validate a certain race. and Acknowledge even. Well, acknowledge. Well, yeah, first they had to acknowledge them, but, you know, obviously they knew about them it's just that they didn't want you know they just thought it you know wasn't worth talking about it behooves me to know that when you're actually thinking of a brand or you're thinking of your audience or you're thinking of alienating a certain race i i I just don't understand how that could have been right and then because something happened and it was really good and it was a time for everybody to sit tight and um sadly you know, what happened, the events that happened, you know, wasn't a way for all of us to wake up. It was a wake up call for everyone. First of all, we were, go- we were going through the worst pandemic ever that you and I, or, you know, let's even say our parents have witnessed, right? That alone was so, you know, it really, it really did a number on me to know that, you know, people are dying, some people, you know, things are happening. And it took that for us to understand that we have to embrace each other. We have to love each other. And then that alone, that aside, and we're not going to really extend that love because of a certain race. So, okay, for the longest time, you haven't acknowledged. And suddenly that happened, right? You know, one thing I always say, yes, it's good to give people chances. Sometimes when you don't know, you don't know how to do better when you know you do better, right? But to me, personally, I'm like, this is a whole human race. What didn't you know? How couldn't you have known? This is 2020. So since from June, if you go, it's so transparent. You go to certain um, pages and you see, right? And you look and you look at it and say, wow. Okay, suddenly now there's the love. That's how I see it there's the love it's happening on one hand it's good that it's being done but to me someone like me it's not going to change how i feel because your true actions have been spoken so this right here or the sugar coating yeah it's okay but why don't you just mean it mean it sincerely mean it sincerely and really do it and this is why i say by that imagine was it who said they're going to open 15% of their shelf? Was it Sephora? 15%. What is that? I'd rather you just say, and I love, remember I told you, I love Sephora. I know that, but I know it really truly isn't that inclusive. But at the time, I was so happy when I don't go looking for a brand because, oh, it's black owned. No, I just want to see it because 
there's an array of choices. So when that person that's coming to spend that money comes in that store, they can see something familiar. Really, that's what it is. It's not even about you thinking of, that's how it should be. So if it's not there, how do you expect that person that's coming in every day to feel? So they're now, they're now just needed to buy certain products that might not work for them because that, pro- that product line is truly telling you, you're not for, you know, we're not for you because first of all, they don't even have somebody familiar that's in that brand. You don't see it. When they advertise, you don't see somebody that looks like you. For kids that are younger, for kids that are just coming up, you know, we know they're the ones, right? Spending all this money. And they're not seeing that familiarity. They're not seeing anything that draws them together. How are they supposed to be even, how are they supposed to be proud of where they're from if you're not even representing them? Because they're looking at it saying, uh, I guess we're not good enough to be for this brand. So that's why it's not being represented. So what is 15%? Why don't you say we are going to start being more inclusive? Are you really going to be counting? So once that 15% is up, oops, no, I don't want to, no, we can't carry you. We have to open up another 5%. What is that? So sometimes this is what I see. That's how I, I look at it as we should just be accepting, accepting, accepting excuse me, of each other. It shouldn't be um, a percentage shouldn't be um, a, a tolerance of five steps. You can't take 10 steps now. Take a few, then yes. Or uh, you're allowed in the store just to spend money, but you really are not welcome here. Or, yeah, I'll carry a brand, but I have one brand that's Black-owned, so there's no room for you. Or I have one brand that's Hispanic-owned, and there's no room for you. I mean, since when? We all know Coca-Cola exists, Pepsi exists, they're next to each other. Everyone, there's room for everybody. How is the world going to be okay? The world of beauty, I say, if it can't be mixed. I look at it and see, please mean it. I hope you've opened your eyes and you know how it is. But I'm not sold on the fact that they're just doing that. That's not, that's not, that's not working for me because I know it's 2020 and we all know there are different people in the world that makes up makes up the human race. Right. Well, I think it's, it's really your point about the 15 Sephora's 15% pledge is really interesting because, you know, I think, you know, it seems like, okay, you know, that's an actionable thing that they can do, but it is true that, and you have the question of, okay, and then what? Are you just going to not focus on Black-owned brands after that? Are you going to not care? Why are you seeing this like a quota? And I think the other, you keep alluding to this idea that, you know, your brand is, you're not thinking of one particular race with your brand. And I think that that's, it's really fascinating because in chatting um, on the last episode uh, with Elizabeth Davis of Shadavi, she had a very similar, if not the exact same sentiment where, you know, her her brand, yes, she is a Black woman that is creating these products, but her products are for anyone. And and also um, Darla of Kea Beauty, um, also a couple episodes ago, had the same point with her retail assortment of beauty that, yes, she focuses on Black-owned beauty brands, but it's not, she doesn't just carry black owned beauty brands and she wants everyone to enjoy 
I think what the, the disparity for me is hearing is hearing all of you say that, but then you have Sephora say 15% black owned. It's like what? Yeah. Yeah. There's, it, it's not equal here. Like what you guys are all saying, you know what I mean? It's like the mindsets, like they're thinking in terms of like a quota and you're not, but they're seeing you as a quota, you know? Yeah. I, you know, and, um, the thing to me is, to be fair, you know, there are Black-owned brands that would say their brand, you know, their, their brand is made for Black-owned, you know, just Black people. You know, they do say that. I've seen that. But I try to really, um, I, I look at it and I think about the meaning behind it. And I believe where that comes from is, you know, when you've been shut out so much, when you've been shut out for so long, right? They're saying, okay, we welcome you. Just know that we are making, we are creating this for you since you've been overlooked for so long. I honestly am looking forward to the day we're accepting of each other. You know, um, there has to be, you know, there has to be a change. We all, if we're not accepting of each other or, you know, our differences, how are we going to make a better world, really? I don't know how a beauty world can work if you are invalidating a certain race. And this, you know, really, let's face it, a lot of um, Black Americans as a whole spent a ton, <laughs> spent a ton of money in a beauty world. Not only a beauty world, you know. So if they're spending money, and you're making it seem like it's only the money that matters. It's only what I'm selling that matters to you. How is this supposed to? Because it's, you know what happened around that early June is what's going to happen again. We shouldn't have to be in a world where we just still have to be proving to ourselves that, okay, you are worthy of my time. We should all be. So I'm looking forward to that day in a beauty world where we are all, you know, like we said, not all brands are going to make it up there. We are not all, we're all not going to be huge, but at least we have to open the doors to accepting and be loving of different races. It just has to happen. Everybody has a story. Not everyone's going to have a sad story that made them to make up, you know, that, that made them make that decision of getting um, um, a brand. We all have different stories. We all have different stories. Don't evaluate one story over the other. That's just my wish i want i can't wait to see that day where we all have that equal chances is what i'm saying i totally understand that we're all not gonna get what we want when it comes to that because hey life isn't like that but at least if we have the chance at it that makes a difference it really does that's what i'm waiting for to to understand that this is not just meant for me it's it's an us thing you know it has to be because that's, that's really what SCOTUS is built on. I want, I want everyone to feel comfortable. When you pick up a lipstick, at least you want to find a shade. I only have seven colors. I made sure those seven colors are colors that anyone that comes in will find something that they you know, resonate with. If you mix the seven colors, I, I made sure that if you mix it, it can become 14 colors, right? So just little things like that. I didn't go in just saying, oh, this is just going to be for me. This is, if it goes in my skin tone, then it's fine. No, it was about everyone. This world is a melting pot. So I, there's no way where I'm not going to be accepting of everyone. It has to be. I love to travel to meet that. So I'm just waiting for the day we get there.
it's sad to know that in America today, we're not that way, but I just, I can't wait for the day that we get there. And that's really my wish for the indie beauty world to just be accepting. Just, you know, open up, open up that, open up that arm of love, (laughs) (laughs) open up that arm of acceptance and just know, really, it really, you know, that, that, that right there to me would be a great milestone. I agree with you. And I think those are really awesome closing thoughts to our conversation. And I think that I also look forward to the day when the indie beauty world and ecosystem truly reflects the melting pot that you're describing and, and that, you know, indie beauty can, some brands will turn into non-indie beauty brands and, and bring that, that ethos (laughs) to the, the bigger, the bigger Mm -hmm. world. But (laughs) this was, this was such a great conversation. I I look forward to keeping and keeping in touch with you. And I'm so happy that we did this. Me, you as well, Jules. I really do appreciate this opportunity. I really do. And you know, you can call on me anytime. If I'm available, I'm there. (laughs) You know that. (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate the support from the beginning. (laughs) I appreciate everything. And, you know, this is really great. This is really great. Well, thank you so much, Tux. I'll I'll keep in touch. Stay safe. All right, then. Later. (laughs) 